0: We are glad that there are things in this life that are unchangeable and good. Your word is good, and you are good. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I pray today that you show us who you really are. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So here's a question for us all. It should be pretty obvious. Does life ever seem unfair? Is it fair that we're getting all this snow and somewhere else there's somebody on a beach? <laughs> you know, I, uh, I remember it, it was fairly early on here. Three of us, uh, myself, Steve, and Fatou, we went off to the Mosaic Multi Ethnic Church Conference and it was in November. And here it was blizzard and we were in Long Beach at the beach. <laughs> Not fair, but guess what? I didn't care. <laughs> you know, This is one of the big questions in the book of Job. You know, what's, and we're going to tackle it today. Why did this happen to me? This is not fair. And, you know, we can realize sometimes there are choices that we made in the past that are affecting us today. Why is this happening to me? Well, I did this. And now I'm reaping it. And sometimes we really need to consider that. And sometimes that's just not the case. Why is this happening to me? And if I gain a proper perspective on God, as we've been looking in the book of Job, maybe I'll also have a proper perspective on those other things in my life. So we're going to be in Job chapter 8 starting. I'm going to All the scriptures are going to be up on the board, but you can follow along in your Bible because we're going to look at the speeches of Bildad today. He has three speeches, so we're going to be hopping around as different speeches and that starts this way. Job chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. He says, Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? Since your children sinned against him, he gave them over to their rebellion. Boy, what a nice thing to say to somebody whose children just died, huh? Okay, verse 6. If you are pure and upright, then he will move even now on your behalf and restore the home where your righteousness dwells. And then verse 20. He says, look, God does not reject a person of integrity, and he will not support evildoers. And then Bildad has another speech in chapter 18. We're going to jump up to that one, chapter 18, starting in verse 5. He says, yes, the light of the wicked is extinguished. The flame of his fire does not glow. The light in his tent grows dark, and the lamp beside him is put out. His powerful stride is shortened, and his own schemes trip him up. For his own feet lead him into a net and he strays into its mesh. A trap catches him by the heel. A noose seizes him. A rope lies hidden for him on the ground and a snare waits for him along the path. Terrors frighten him on every side and harass him at every step. His strength is depleted. Disaster lies ready for him to stumble. Parts of his skin are eaten away. Death's firstborn consumes his limbs. He is ripped from the security of his tent and marched away to the king of terrors. Nothing he owns remains in his tent. Burning sulfur is scattered over his home. His roots below dry up and his branches above wither away. All memory of him perishes from the earth. He has no name anywhere. He's driven from light into darkness and chased from the inhabited world. He has no children or descendants among his people, no survivor where he used to live. Those in the west are appalled at his fate, while those in the east tremble in horror. Indeed, such is the dwelling of the unjust man, and this is the place of the one who does not know God. Here's Bildad's speech in summary. He says, justice always reaches the wicked. That's our first point if you're following along in your, in your, uh, Bulletin, or if you use the new version, it's on there too. Justice always reaches the wicked, is what Bill is saying. He starts off with two rhetorical questions, which the answer is, he says, God doesn't twist, bend, or corrupt justice, does he? Of course not. God will not twist, bend, or corrupt justice. He says, evil actions have consequences. He says, Job, that's why your kids died. He says, but also, God also is just in repentance. He says, if I change and do what is right, then God will restore me. It's on me first, he says, though. I mean, verse 20, he says, look, God does not reject a person of integrity, and he will not support evildoers. So there's this two side. His basic thing is, if you are bad, if I am bad, then bad things will happen. And if I am good, then good things will happen to me. That's his statement. Because he says, look what happens to the wicked people. He says, their light, that's another poetic way of saying their life, their life is extinguished, their life is put out. He says, if a wicked person, their plans fail. He says, wicked people get trapped in their own schemes that they're putting together. And there are other people outside of the wicked people that are trying to entrap them. A wicked person has fear in the present and they have fear of the future. He says, and that's why a wicked person can only endure for so long. Eventually, that will just wear them down. He says, wicked people get sick. Wicked people have no security. Eventually, the wicked person will just wither away and die from within and without. It will be both visible and invisible. And he says the wicked person doesn't just go to bed and die peacefully in their sleep. He says they are chased into death. He says the wicked person has no family he says their life becomes a living example of what not to be because they don't know God that's Bildad's doctrine and we can see examples of that even in our world, in our history I talked to our two resident historians Steve and my wife Jennifer And I said, give me some historical people that this actually applies to. And they gave me quite a list. Robespierre, Danton, and Marat were all killed in their own revolution in France. They killed people with the guillotine, and then they were guillotined. Steve was reading about Jesse James, the outlaw. He was a preacher's kid, which I didn't know. He had a domineering mother, and then he was sold out by his own friend. Um, Ted Bundy, Al Capone, Steve gave me all these. Jeffrey Epstein. Charles Ponzi, Hitler, Stalin, Osama bin Laden. Okay, these are all people that we could rightly say, yeah, I wouldn't want to go out the way they did, but if anyone deserved it, well, maybe these are bad people. So Bildad's not wrong entirely. But the thing is, he limits God's justice to just what he can see during one human lifetime. He's forgetting that God's eternal and so is the human spirit. He's saying everything happens within this one, you know, what, 80 year period? For the wicked, it's shorter. But he's not wrong about God. You know, punishing the wicked. I'm going to put up just a, a series of verses. I'm going to read through them. These are from Old Testament all the way to New Testament. From prophets to, to Jesus. Psalm 11:6. Let him rain burning coals and sulfur on the wicked. Let a scorching wind be their portion in their cup. Proverbs 10:16. The reward of the righteous is life. The wages of the wicked is punishment. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. Isaiah 3.11, woe to the wicked, it will go badly for them. For what they have done will be done to them. Matthew 25, 40, uh, and 46, Jesus said, then he will answer them, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me, and they will go away into Punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And the first part of Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death. Okay, there is absolutely a reason to obey God's laws. Because there is always punishment for the things I do. That's true. And through centuries of humanity... This has been one of the pictures of God. God the eternal punisher. And honestly, that's not a God I would choose to love and serve. It might be a God that I would have to serve because I don't want to get punished, but not choose. Now, Bildad's understanding, though, is incomplete. I said before, God's not one-dimensional in person. He's not one-dimensional in character, and God is not one-dimensional in actions. Before we go on our next point, I want to show us a quick video of a man, Howie Burton. November 3rd, I'll be running in the New York City Marathon alongside my attorney, Susan Friedman. This is not my first marathon, nor will it be my last. For the last 30 years, I have been involved in the marathon in my life. As a teenager, I was arrested in charge of the killing of my mother. Two years later, I was convicted and sentenced to 15 years of life. While incarcerated and while there, I began to learn to do running as a means to deal with a lot of the pain. And I often said to myself, if ever given the opportunity, I will participate in the New York City Marathon. Earlier this year, through the help of the Innocence Project, I was exonerated. So I'm urging you to donate to the Innocence Project so that we can bring more those who have been wrongfully convicted home. Thank you. Heard of the Innocence Project? Okay. That's just a, one of their, there's multiple, multiple uh, testimonies on their website, but I just put that one because it was kind of quick. Does justice always reach the innocent? That's Job's question. His, his question back to Bildad. Job 9, 1 through 3. Then Job answered, Yes, I know what you said is true. But how can a person be justified before God? If one wanted to take him to court, he could not answer God once in a thousand times. He says, What about me when I'm innocent? And here is Bildad's answer. Job 25, 1 through 6. Then Bildad the Shuhite replied, Dominion and dread belong to him, the one who establishes harmony in its heights. Can his troops be numbered? Does his light not shine on everyone? How can a human be justified before God? How can one born of a woman be pure? If even the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less a human who is a maggot, a son of man who is a worm? This is rough. Job agrees with Bildad about punishment. And Job says, but what about when I'm not guilty? And Bildad's answer is this. Job, God has absolute authority. Job, God is the one who gives life. Job, God knows everything. And God knows that nothing and especially not any person, is pure before God. In other words, he says, Job, don't worry about proving yourself innocent before God, because everyone's guilty and God knows it. You know, I was uh, at the monastery with my family one time, and we were having dinner with the sisters, and... Uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, had finished dinner early, and so some of the sisters took her to a side room. And I went in there, and they were back playing rummy cube, teaching her how to play rummy cube. And I looked over at the prioress' cubes, and I noticed, I, I can't say she was cheating, but she wasn't playing to the best of her ability in order to let my daughter win. This is a nun cheating at a game. See, Bilbad has an extreme version of the total depravity doctrine. Everybody's guilty. So it doesn't matter. We already saw the uh, video of Howie Burton, and uh, there's another man, I think, well, I was pictured up there. Yeah, that's Felipe Rodriguez. He just got released last year on December 30th, after 27 years. Some people are innocent. See, here's the truth. Bill Dad doesn't really have the... He has some of the truth. Here's the whole truth. Yes, everyone is guilty of something. So yeah, beware of punishment. That part's true. You know, Paul affirms this in Romans. Romans 3, 10 and 11, and verse 23 it says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah. But that's not the, that's not the whole truth. The truth is everyone's guilty of something. The also truth is not everyone's guilty of everything. <laughs> Not every person acts as bad as they possibly can. And God knows that too. God knows that everyone does something wrong. God also knows that the earth, that humanity, that I am not irredeemable. See, that's a God I can serve and love who knows I'm bad and knows that I can be fixed. <laughs> That's a God in whom I can find hope, whether I'm getting the punishment I deserve, or when life seems unfair. So let's take a minute and let's talk about fairness. Elihu, one of Job's other friends, he talks about fairness and justice. Job 34 is Elihu's response to Bildad. Job 34, we're going to start in verse 17. He said, Could one who hates justice govern the world? Will you condemn the mighty righteous one who says to a king, worthless man, and to nobles, wicked men? God is not partial to princes and does not favor the rich over the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. They die suddenly in the middle of the night. People shudder. Then pass away. Even the mighty are removed without effort. For his eyes watch over a man's ways, and he observes all his steps. There is no darkness, no deep darkness where evildoers can hide. God does not need to examine a person further that one should approach him in court. He shatters the mighty without an investigation and sets others in their place. Therefore, he recognizes their deeds and overthrows them by night, and they are crushed. In full view of the public, he strikes them for their wickedness, because they are turned aside from following him and did not understand any of his ways, but caused the poor to cry out to him, and he heard the outcry of the needy. But when God is silent, who can declare him guilty? When he hides his face, who can see him? Yet he watches over both individuals and nations, so that godless men should not rule or ensnare the people. See, here's our thing. Fairness doesn't reach justice. Remember, Bildad says, if you are bad, then bad things happen to you. And if you are good, then good things happen to you. And Elihu rightly says, that's just not true. He says, it's just not true. He says, just look at our world, Bildad. There are unrighteous kings and there are righteous kings. And some kind, sometimes God takes down the unrighteous ones and sometimes he doesn't. And guess what? No person goes up to a king and says, you're unrighteous. The king just continues to reign. Says God creates all people, and some become royalty, and some become rich, and some become poor. And everybody dies. And we don't know the day. And it takes no effort on God's part. (laughs) It says, God sees what everybody does, even the wicked. And sometimes we see the wicked publicly brought to justice. And sometimes we never see the wicked properly, pro- publicly brought to justice. But God is still just. Even Jesus said the same. Matthew five forty four and 45. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It snows on good people and bad people. Life is not fair. And God is never described as fair. Fairness is not an attribute of God. What's fair? Is fair equal, I got this picture up here, people trying to look at the baseball game, equal inputs? Everybody gets the same? Or is fair equal results? Or is it fair that all the people in the background paid to watch the baseball game and these other people are cheating? See, fairness can be defined however I want or however you want. and since god can't be defined however i want god can't be fair <laughs> i can prove to you god's not fair why did god promise abraham and his descendants the land if they got all if israel got all the land that god promised to abraham it would be currently the nation of israel the whole nation of jordan lebanon syria East of e- East Egypt, northern Saudi-, Saudi-, Saudi Arabia, west Iraq, and half of Kuwait. Why do they get that? Well, because God said so. That's not fair. It's not. <laughs> Motorcycles. Paul generation had to go to war. I didn't. That's not fair. Now you might say, well that's, that's stuff, that's sin stuff. War is sin stuff after the fall. God made life not fair from the beginning. Think about this. Two people. Let's take Steve and I. We're about the same age. I did sports in high school. Steve, what sports did you do in high school? All of them. Okay. Steve did all the sports. you look at our build now, even though I wouldn't say we're both at our prime. Steve's a bigger man than me. Okay? Steve could probably out-strength me. I was a runner. I could probably out-endurance him. It's not fair. We're just different. God created human beings, male and female. That's not fair. Men, in general, because of testosterone, are generally stronger. That's not fair. I can't have a baby. That's not fair. Women, none of you can get prostate cancer. That's not fair. I can't get ovarian cancer. You know, think of even work say there was no fall and the earth was still perfect. Two people go out and they both till their land and they do the same amount of work and put in the same amount of seeds, they still might get different harvest. It's not fair. See, fairness is what people shout first when we can't get or do what we want. We recognize it in kids, and it also happens in adults. Fairness is what we shoot for, and by the way, never achieve, because fairness is subjective. Okay. Fairness is what we shoot for and never achieve, because we don't want to do the hard work of justice. Let's just try and make it fair. Micah 6, eight, Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what the Lord requires of you. To act fairly. Oh, wait, nope. <laughs> to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. We're not called to be fair. God's not fair. You know, it's one of the reasons why in the United States the idea of slave reparations is so hard and challenging and, and divisive. There is no fair way to do it. It's not fair. It will never be fair. You know, you think of what they did in in South Africa, what's happening in South Africa, and I'm not saying this is the model. I'm just saying this is what they did, okay? They realized after apartheid that the only way to really bring equality and not have all the black people be poor perpetually is they needed some land. Well, the white people owned all the land. And so guess what? The government took away their land and gave it to the black people. That's not fair. But they were trying to bring justice. Now, human justice is never going to get up to the level of God's justice. But you see how much hard work it is to be just? And you think about it. Well, why would God make life unequal? Perhaps God made life unfair, so that I have to show love and mercy to other people. And you know what? The last thing I want is for God to be fair. Fair is the wages of sin is death. I don't want fair. I want God to be just. Because let's go back to Romans three, twenty-three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And now all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God can be just in punishment and it can be just in salvation. See, yes, I believe God punishes evil. But God's not One dimensional in person, in character, or his actions. God punishes evil, and God justly redeems people. And those are two perspectives of God that I can believe at the same time. See, Bill Dad forgot that mighty God saves and pays the ransom. So I can be innocent. Life's not fair, but God is just. God is just so that I can demonstrate his love. Actually, let me put it back. I misspoke. God is just so that he can demonstrate his love. Life is unfair so I can demonstrate God's love. (laughs) For as by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we can walk in them. Let's pray. Our just God. We come before you today knowing that, yes, we're all guilty of something. And you know it. And we confess it. Yeah, I can never be pure on my own. So we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you that you didn't see me as an irredeemable person. but someone that you can clothe in purity. And that you, with that, give me the charge to be just and merciful to others that I come in contact with. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my step secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies. Lord, strengthen us to run after you, to run after a higher, higher goal than fairness, but your justice. Because without your justice, none of us would be saved. We give you thanks and praise for who you are this morning and what you do. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, whose blood redeems us. Amen.